Hey, Thrive Community Church, Pastor Nathan, I'm so excited to be back in action with you. Uh, I was glad to stay, take, take a step aside so that my wife, the beautiful Allie Harrington, could speak on Mother's Day. And I hope, mothers, that you had an amazing Mother's Day last weekend and, and that uh, your children and your, your husbands, they served you and they loved you and uh, maybe even made you breakfast or lunch, whatever it was, or took you to a nice place. I hope you got to experience that. Today we are moving in our series. We talked about being relevant two weeks ago. We talked about and we need to be relevant in conversation with those who we're around as they're talking about their needs, their hang-ups, their issues, their struggles, or they're just talking about life, being engaged in the sense of, I'm going to be relevant with things that God has done in my life. Here's how my life looked before, and here's what God did. Here's the miracle that God did in my life. That's just using your testimony right there, because we're, we're talking about real. This series is being real. Just be real relevant, engaging, authentic life. That's what we're here to live. That's what we're called to live. R-E-A-L, a relevant, engaging, and authentic life. That is what Jesus has called you and I to. Now, today we're talking about engaging. We should be engaging influencers. God has given each one of us influence with others so that we can influence them towards something. In fact, He provides that influence so that we will apply it for His purposes so that we will benefit the kingdom of God, solely the the benefit of the kingdom of God. In fact, everything we've been graced with in life is purposed to be used to move ourselves and others into a more intimate relationship with Jesus or even into a relationship with Jesus. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about Matthew 5, and if you have your Bibles, you can scroll there. We have our notes. We'd love to hear from you on the comments section also. If, if at any time the Lord speaks to you and, and maybe you haven't given your life to the Lord, there will be a button where you can, you can actually raise your hand and give your life to Christ. If, there's, if you need to have a prayer need, then you can Go in in the comments and someone will engage in prayer, private prayer with you throughout this message. But uh, in our notes, we're in you version. Our notes are in there every week. And you can also catch all of our previous messages on uh, iTunes. We have video and audio. We have Google Play as well. And then Facebook Live. You can always go on and repeat that and watch that again. So we're in Matthew 5, and this is where Jesus is on the sermon. This is a sermon on the mount. The Mount of Beatitudes is what it's known as. But this is, this is a place where uh, if you're going to Israel with us in June of 2021, you'll see this place because we're going. We're going we're gonna to check this place out. I've been there. It's on the Sea of Galilee. We talked about the Sea of Galilee last week, uh, also known as Lake Tiberias. But it is an amazing, amazing place and a beautiful scenes from the Mount right there, the Mount of Beatitudes. And so in this, Jesus in verse in chapter Chapter 5, verse 13, he says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor or savor in some uh, translations, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill 
cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And I, and I, I just got to say, brag a little bit, because last Saturday we had a serve day at our building and we had 25 people come out and two churches to help move the needle forward of progress inside of our building. We had people painting every every corner of that building. We had people outside uh, ripping wood, planing wood, and preparing it for us to install it this and next week. We had a well-old machine going down from 8 to 2, and we're going to do that again, actually. And so in two weeks, we'll be doing that same thing. But Liz, I just have to brag on it and thank all of you that were there and a part of that. This week, this week in our series, let's talk about our series. Uh, this week, Jesus, I'm sorry, in the first week, Jesus used the analogy of fishers of men. Fishers of men, fishermen. He used the analogy. He connected the dots between uh, the disciples being fishermen and them being fishers of men. Well, this week, Jesus is using the analogy of salt and light. Which brings us to point number one, you are salt. And I'm specifically using this pronoun because I, I, want, I want to talk about you. It does, you includes me, I am salt, you are salt, we are salt, but Jesus says you are salt. And Jesus is not talking about the salt content in your body because we, we are all have a 0.4% uh, salt content. Some of us a little bit more, some of us a little bit less, depending on what you ate last night. And, and Jesus is not all, he's also not talking about those of you who, who uh, whenever something goes awry, you have a, an attitude, a short attitude. He's not talking about those who, he's not saying have a salty attitude. You ever heard that saying, uh, don't be salty? That's not, that's not what he's talking about. That's, that's, that's the enemy's twist on, on salt right there. He's not saying to be salty. You know, some, you, you've had a bad attitude with somebody, or you got sharp with somebody, and you try to defend that, saying, well, I'm just salty. Jesus told me to be salt. I'm, I'm salt and light. But that's not what he's talking about, all right? So I'm going to disprove that, all right? So in, but in the Old Testament, every sacrifice had to be seasoned with salt. Look at this. This is Leviticus 2.13. And every offering of your grain offering you shall season with salt. Now, uh, Delaney was talking this morning about growing vegetables, and she said she has corn in her garden. And then she found out, oh, corn's not a vegetable. It's a grain. So, she says, so Jesus says, uh, all of your corn offering, you shall season it with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant. You probably never knew that was in the Bible. The salt... Of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering, your corn offering. You will be thinking about that when you're eating crawfish and corn this week. Your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. And now look at this in Numbers 18 and 19. All the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer to the Lord, I have given to you and your sons and your daughters with you as an ordinance for how long? Forever. It is a covenant of salt for how long? Forever before the Lord with you and your descendants. That is amazing. 
And here's why it's so amazing. Because salt is symbolic for eternity. It is symbolic of causing something to continue to last forever. And Jesus, God here, calls it a covenant of salt forever. Because God's intent is to preserve you forever. He wants to preserve you. You often hear me talk about uh, perseverance, and there's this uh, scripture that refers to perseverance of the saints. Well, today I want to talk to you about preservation, the preservation of the saints. We see this three times in scripture. In fact, it's twice in Psalms, and it's once in Proverbs. God says, I preserve the souls of of my saints. I preserve the souls of my saints. That's great news because it's not about my sticking power, but it's about His staying power. And my soul is and will be preserved forever. God provides eternal preservation for you. If you're His saint, He has provided and He is providing and He will provide eternal preservation for you. That's amazing. And that's what he says when he talks about the covenant of salt for you and your descendants forever. And you and I are created also for preserving our society from decaying. The more you take Christian principles, values, morality out of society, the quicker that society will crumble and decay. Just look at it. We took prayer out of schools and look at our schools now. Government leaders have tried to wipe God from everything on earth, from everything that we do. Look at where we are now. But hey, There are still Christians in schools. There are still Christians in boardrooms. There are still Christians in government offices. And there are still Christians in workplaces. And we can preserve our society because you and I, we are salt. We are purposed in place to preserve what is righteous. Not only do we preserve, but we should also be savory. Salt adds flavor, so we should be making our world, the world around us, feel and taste better. When we walk into a place, it should all of a sudden just start to feel and taste better. Remember we talked last week about taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you walk in the room and you start to talk and you start to project, people should be able to taste and see that the world is good. But Jesus said that there's some salt that needs to be thrown out. You see, in ancient times, salt was thrown out to kill the grass. It was no longer good for adding flavor. Losing its savor. Scripture says it's losing its savor. And savor is the same as flavor. And so this thing, losing these three words, losing its savor, actually comes from one Greek word. These three, Greek, three English words, one from one, one Greek word. And that one Greek word was made up of two Greek words. And let me give this to you. Those two Greek words would mean become foolish. And that's where we get this word. The Greek word that these two become foolish made up was morano, which is where we get our word moron. And what he's saying is, Don't be a moron. 
Don't act foolish. Don't become foolish. And in two, two of the Gospels, it's translated this way, becoming foolish. And in two of the Gospels, it's, it's translated foolish person. Don't be foolish. Don't be a moron. If a believer becomes foolish and or acts foolish, he's no longer good for preserving and adding flavor to this world. Look at Romans. Look at this. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thank, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. Yeah, many Christians, all of a sudden, they start to get frustrated and tired and they quit engaging in Christ and all of a sudden they become futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. Now, in the natural, salt is, is grown underground. It's found underground. It's, it's always found right next to a rock. Now, I hope you got me right there because 1 Corinthians says this, God's people in the desert drank from a spiritual rock and that rock was Christ. Salt also is purified by the washing of water over it. And I hope you got me because Hebrews says this, we are washed by the water of the Word. So in the natural, there are contaminants in the earth. And so how the salt stays pure is being right up next to the rock and being washed by the water. How you stay pure, preserving this world and adding flavor to it is staying next to the rock, Jesus, and being washed by the water by being in the Word. Got to stay close to Jesus so we can reflect Jesus, so we can bring savor, flavor to this world, and we need to be in the Word so we can be washed by the Word. Otherwise, all of us, all of us, me included, could end up doing something foolish. We could end up going backwards to our old ways of thinking and our old ways of doing, justifying ourselves as being believers. All of a sudden, as we grow a little bit in becoming a believer, we start to become self-righteous and we no longer are sitting, staying connected to the rock and being washed by the Word. And we and of ourselves think all of a sudden we've become wise and when reality is, Scripture calls it, that we've actually become fools. If we do something foolish, we can lose our witness. How many of you know or have known somebody who have been passionate for Jesus or they've done something very impactful for Jesus only to suddenly have a great downfall or a turn and they begin to lose their witness and they never recover that witness because people held them on a, a higher standard. They held them at a certain level and this person talked and walked and they led and they presented themselves in, as, a, as, a, as an example of Christ and then all of a sudden they were no longer leaning, staying connected to the rock of Christ and washing themselves in the Word and they've fallen away, gone backwards and lost their testimony, lost their witness. You are salt 
And number two, you are light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And he started this by saying, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And in the book of John, Jesus aligns our faith with him, calling, calling himself and you the light of the world. Look at this. John 8, 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of of life. And by the way, that's good news because that's eternal. He's talking about you will have eternal light. Remember, the covenant of salt also is eternal. Forever. You and your descendants and your children forever, he says. Now John 9, 5 says this, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But I want, I want to pause right there because you need to remember before we go to the next verse, Remember this, that John 12 begins the shift to prepare the disciples for the end. The end's coming, it's near. And he's, Jesus begins to prepare them for that. Now John 13, Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. John 14, 15, and 16 is the conversation at the Last Supper. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about this in the Passover weekend. And John 17 is the prayer in the garden. And remember... If you're coming to Israel with us in June 2021, we're going to go to that garden. We're going to see the place where Jesus would have prayed, and you're going to see the tomb, and guess what? It's empty. In John 18, he is a, Jesus is arrested and tried. John 19, he is crucified. John 20 and 21, he rises again, and he shows himself in his transfigured body, his spiritual body, to the rest of the disciples and three of the women. Now, John 12, 50, 35 and 36 says this, Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. He's making this transition that I am the light. I have modeled the light, the life of the light in front of you. I have modeled an eternal way of living in front of you for three years. And so in this picture, here he is saying, walk with me. Walk as I have taught. Walk as I have walked. Walk as I have exemplified. And now he is saying, and as you do these things, you are the light of the world. Now Jesus is not in his incarnate form. Meaning, He is not in flesh as one person. But Jesus is in the flesh of persons. He is in us. We are what? We are the body of Christ. We are the flesh of Christ. We are the body of Christ. The light is in us. Jesus said, you and I are light in this dark world. No, it cannot be hidden. We are not to be hidden. We would not to be hidden under a basket. And if we don't vote for proper officials, if we don't serve on city councils, and if we don't speak up for, uh, uh, in our opportunities of influence, and we will be nothing more than Facebook complainers who watch the world decay because we didn't get out and shine the light of Christ in every dark place of, of our society starting right here in Henderson County. And that's what Jesus said when he said, don't let a basket cover up your light. And that, if that's the case... Our world is going to get darker and darker. It is time to throw off the basket in your life. And many feel unworthy. And in and of yourself, 
This is why you don't do things. This is why you don't step out. This is why you don't find that fire inside and that passion about something because the enemy has convinced you that you are unworthy and in and of yourself, yes, you are. But because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of what Jesus says about you, because of what His Word says and what He has done, you are now counted worthy. And you have been purposed for that very thing of throwing off the basket and shining the light of life in the dark areas where you normally roam. Don't put your light out and don't let your flavor be wasted. It's time to come out of the places of fear and begin to find avenues to be the change that shines the light of God's goodness in whatever area of society you are carrying a burden because you have a burden. That burden may be crippling you because you don't know what to do. That burden may be paralyzing you because you feel unworthy. You, that burden actually may be distracting you all day long because you can't wait to fulfill that burden, but you have a burden. And it's time to be aware of taking action for that burden. God has put you where you are so you will cause it to look like the kingdom of God. Wherever your normal routines of living life are, they are not by accident. They are purposed by God for you to steward your influence wherever His light, wherever those dark spaces are. And many people around you will never come to know the Lord. They will never come to know how Jesus can work in their life for as long long as you have a basket over your life because they are in your presence for you to influence. And I don't know if you've, you've, you've heard about this, this guy who stayed up all night. All night he stayed up wondering. He was wondering, where did the sun go? Where, where did the light go? And then morning came and it dawned on him. <laughs> you are the salt of this earth. You are light. And if you feel the whole world is decaying, then it's time for you to take the basket off of your light wherever you do life. And I'm telling you, the world, you know it, is decaying around you. And the fact that you recognize it is not a call to complain. It's a call of burden to rise up and begin to discover what it takes to be the change, even on a small level, right where you are. And it's time to rise up to bring savor and flavor and stop doing the foolish things that you probably found yourself doing in this season or maybe you have a cycle of life that you continually see is holding you back. It's time to shine the light. And I want to pray for you over that because I know God has put a burden on your life and I know God is showing you things that ought not be in this world. So, Father, I pray for every individual in this place, you that are watching right there, right now, I pray for you. I pray that God's blessing of grace and empowerment will reach the depths of your soul and begin to cause you to rise up, to wake up, 
to be the salt and be the light that he says that you are. All shame and all guilt, we just bring you down right now in Jesus' name. You have no place. There is no place for fear. All fear, you must go. And we just right now in Jesus' name command the saints to rise up and be the change that this COVID-19 season demands for Christians to be. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And if you've come to know the Lord as your Lord and Savior today, let us know in the comments. Fill out a Connect card, a digital Connect card. We want to know about it. And if you're ready for your next steps, send a Connect card in and let us know you are ready to join and start the Equip track because we have a digital experience for you to do just that. We love you. Don't forget, you can also give online or mail in your tithes and offerings. Thank you very much. Have a great week. Love you.